we the members of the secret order of alchemical actors do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. Hello, my name is Luke Kinnaman. I'm the Producia Discordia of the Alchemical Actors, and I've assembled three panels of listeners who have at one time identified as Christian and do identify as members or allies of the LGBTQ community. This will act as a follow-up discussion to the conversation that was explored between Rob and Jacob on our last episode. So, joining me today, I have... Hi, um, I go by Graves. Um... I'm uh, in my late 20s. Um, I use he, him pronouns or they, them. Um, I uh, I work in the medical field. Um, I spent a very long time um, growing up in a very, very Catholic community, and I am no longer very, very Catholic. <laughs> Hi, I'm Manu. Um, I am a bisexual, polyamorous, uh, go-ess hermeticist. Um, I was, uh, yeah, raised Christian and then, uh, stepped away from it and came back to do magic. So, uh, I spend a lot of time talking and thinking about, uh, Christian mysticism, the grimoires, stuff like that. Uh, you might've even heard me talking about that kind of shit. Um, I'm a queer wizard. So yeah, hi, I'm Tom. I'm from the southwest of the UK, um, down in Somerset. Um, I'm a gay cis male i think is how it's properly said down here at the moment i know there's a lot of different terminology but that's used but that's me hi i'm valerie and i'm 30 years old i go by she her pronouns and i have a history of uh, my mom being like fundamentally christian churches i think the that's what they're called the contemporary ones um and being raised christian but always uh, leaning more towards into like with loving things witchy and like paranormal and uh always questioning everything that i was being taught uh my name is elias dan i am a I guess I identify as a cisgender male, but the majority of my life, I never really allowed myself to ask any kind of questions about my own sexuality. So uh, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, I, I really don't know how to answer that clearly, but I, I am, you know, married to, uh, I have a traditional kind of conservative Christian evangelical family structure. Uh, however, I don't care to, you know, keep that structure confined to that way of living per se. You know, I'm, my kids can be whoever my kids want to be. My name is Paul. I identify uh, as a straight male. Um, I have been in the past, a, uh, I'm a retired pastor. Um, Spent time both in the Assemblies of God as well as uh, several other evangelical denominations. I am Vincent. I identify, I suppose, as a pansexual male. And I guess the noteworthy thing about me is that I am currently an adjunct history professor for a evangelical Assemblies of God university, so I'm kind of doing this undercover. 
And Caitlin, can you give us an idea of who you are as well? Hi, um, I am. I identify as non-binary. I use she/they pronouns, um, uh, and I'm bisexual. And I grew up in a very Christian community, but I was lucky, and my parents weren't too heavily Christian. But I have had public school teachers preach at me. Not great. As a public school teacher, I cannot imagine like my colleagues or myself doing that without that immense sense of guilt. Caitlin, do you mind if we kind of start with you and kind of let's talk about your upbringing a bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in a sort of rural suburban area. Um, there was a Catholic school right next door to my public school. Um, and a lot of the kids transferred there, transferred to the public school after eighth grade. Um, so a lot of them had very religious, very Catholic parents and kind of adapted all of those ideas. And even the kids that were in public school before the eighth grade were also very Christian. And a lot of them were quite homophobic. Um, we actually had a, a Trump GOP victory center in the middle of town. So as a kid, I, I certainly picked up on some of that homophobia and like, I, I even for a while had like adapted it myself, like kind of took on the opinions of the other kids. Cause that was what I was hearing at school. And, um, uh, that certainly threw me back for quite a while. And I didn't, even though my, my parents were very sure to like, you know, talk that homophobia out of me and say, no, we don't say things like that. That's not right. It, that it's still the opinions of the other kids did set me back on realizing my own sexuality for quite a while. Uh, Vincent, let's let's talk about your upbringing a bit, and then Paul, I'm very excited to hear about your years preaching. So I'm going to hold you for last. But Vincent, how was your upbringing, or how did you kind of engage with Christianity? Oh, it was pretty interesting. I was uh, raised in the South in sort of a suburban area. And pretty much everybody there was the same sort of Christian. So I was raised evangelical, and my parents were sort of conservative evangelicals to start out with, but they weren't hugely strict about how they presented it to me. And so there were um, certain concepts that, even though I was hearing them very frequently, I, they didn't really make sense to me personally, so I just sort of ignored them, I guess. So, like, I never really found myself believing in hell, for one thing. Um, and the the anti-gay concepts that there that were very frequent in that community, um, I was sort of ambivalent towards them at first. And then, as I sort of be started discovering myself and uh, realizing more about myself, um, I started gravitating more towards what you would call a progressive Christian, I guess. As far as my experience and my growing up, um, <clears throat> I was raised Methodist and my family were every single weekend churchgoers. Um, I grew up in uh, predominantly in a small town of about a thousand people. Um, and so that was my environment. That was my social sphere. You basically had two options with my hometown. You were either part of the Mormon majority or the Methodist minority. And so my folks were Methodist and we were at that church every single weekend uh, volunteering. My stepfather ran the youth group. Uh, that was my 
that was my environment. And I also frequently attended uh, church camp every single summer. That was uh, my social sphere when I wasn't in school. Those were the people I was hanging out with. Um, but I had a what might be a supremely strange experience with all that, namely because of the the people I was interacting with. Um, the pastor who was the pastor through the majority of my childhood was a incredibly strange man. Um, a, a really, really delightful man. Um, and, uh, ended up being sort of my first and greatest, uh, spiritual teacher. And so this individual was a devout Methodist, but they were also, um, they had had a long and diverse career prior to becoming a Methodist pastor uh, and introduced me to a lot of different ideas outside of contemporary Christianity. And so I was in an extraordinarily lucky place where I was able to explore my faith without being uh, sort of ideologically limited. I spent a, a summer uh, painting this man's house and doing yard work for him. And at the end of each day for the duration of the summer, we would sit down and we would chat and he would uh, give me a book or two. And so this Methodist pastor gave me books on uh, astral projection, books by Hank Wesselman, uh, books on uh, like Aboriginal dream time and explorations of these other spiritualities. And for him, uh, they very much informed his relationship with God and they informed his exploratory, exploratory nature and in turn informed mine. And so I was incredibly lucky coming into my sexuality in this church environment uh, because it was perhaps something that was challenged by other churchgoers. It was something that was challenged by um, members of the clergy. It was never challenged by my family, and it was never challenged by the pastor. My identity, as much as my spirituality, is a very complicated thing. Um, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm trans. I'm transmasculine. <clears throat> um, I'm broadly sexuality wise i like broadly identify as queer um and polyamorous if that also counts it's a very um again it's a kind of a complex thing which i might get into later on but i'm very much a part of the lgbtq community i was born and raised um in a very conservative christian family um we were church of england um till i told my parents that god wasn't in that church he was in the baptist church over the road um and at four years old i converted my family to baptism or baptists um but i stepped away as i became aware of who and what i was um at that point of developing from a child to a man both physically, emotionally, and also intellectually. Um, and now I am a full-blown um, heathen, um, part of a local kindred down here, um, and also a practitioner of chaos magic. My family uh, comes from East Tennessee. Uh, we come from kind of a, a much looser uh, Christian background. I was not really raised in church. I, I went to church as a small child. And uh, it was a Methodist church. Everything was a little bit more um, liberal and and open. And uh, I mean, that's to go for as far as evangelicalism does get open. There's there's a lot of, to unpack with that. But I wasn't really raised in church. Wasn't really um, given any kind of my family kind of let me develop my own beliefs for the most most part. Um, but with that being said, I eventually uh, chased a 
a girl to a church and uh, had a big spiritual encounter when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. And since then have been, I was a hardline, hardcore evangelical Christian. I've done mission work. I was a deacon at a church that I didn't realize until probably about four or five years ago was a cult. And I served as a deacon in that church for five years. Um, you know, I, I uh, played in a Christian metal band and we, you know, preached the gospel and uh, things kind of changed for me in 2016. And uh, uh, that was kind of, I was reaching kind of uh, just about to reach the tipping point where cognitive dissonance was going to rear its, its uh, very ugly and sobering face. And uh, it led me to start questioning things and being more open and uh, looking at uh, theologians and, and teachers that were considered heretics uh, by a lot of the people that I was raised in evangelicalism by. And uh, it, it began that slippery slope into uh, questioning everything. And I guess now I don't really know what to call myself. I, I suppose I'm kind of agnostic in nature. I had atheist friends who were Church of Satan that kind of helped get me through a lot of the struggling that I was dealing with when I started to deconstruct my faith. Now I, I, I don't know. I'm, I believe a lot of things. I guess I could be considered a Christian feminist. I have kind of, I'm kind of reevaluating my view of spirituality through a feminist lens. I was, uh, I was raised in small town, Oklahoma, um, to a family who's been in church is still in church to this day. Um, you know, I was born on Wednesday and was in church on Sunday morning. Like it just grew up in that, in that sphere. And, um, it, it, when you grow up in it that early, and I think others can attest to this as well, it's the air you breathe. It's, you don't even know not to know it. You don't know whether to question it or not. You, you never really even have the opportunity. Um, and so uh, growing up, I did, uh, I led worship, um, then moved into youth ministry and into college ministry, and then into, uh, teaching church history and systematic theology, and then into being a, a lead pastor over the years. The question of my own sexuality and, and sexual identity was never really a, a journey for me. It was, uh, it was just one of those things that I, I knew. It wasn't until seminary that I started changing my ideas and my thought patterns regarding the LGBT community, because growing up, uh, you know, the our town was not one to actively persecute someone if they came out. It was more quiet exclusion. It, you just push you to the edges. You're you're not, you know, like, I don't know that I want you to hang out with him anymore. You know, it was never uh, the sort of violent persecutions that, that we've seen in, in other parts of, of the LGBTQ community. Well, that being said, what what other attitudes have you seen from Christians towards the gay community? As I leaned more into that pastoral role and started doing uh, crisis counseling and, and grief counseling with families, um, I, I've come into more and more places where parents will come and say, 
I think my son is gay and we have no idea what to do about it. Um, I'm like, what, what do you mean do about it? Before I ended up coming out, um, I do remember like a situation that was the worst thing to ever feel like because back when I was questioning my sexuality and everything and filled with so much self-hatred towards myself and so much shame, I did resort to self-harming and stuff. And there was a moment where I was finally able to, I had this moment um, saying like, God and Christianity and all this, like, it's this isn't worth it. Like, oh, how could a, lo- a loving God or ever want, like, this isn't worth it. If- years ago, um, I used to be in funeral service. Um, I did that for about five years, went to school, um, and then jumped ship to work in, in a medical laboratory. Um, but I, I remember I was, so I was still under the assumption that I was this cis female. Um, but I'm like, I really like suits. I'm going to wear suits to work. And I would be going to these, you know, these churches for funeral services. Um, and I would get just the most vitriol, especially from like older men, um, over the fact that I was in a suit and not in like, you know, in especially like a men's suit and not like a women's pantsuit or like a skirt or a dress. Um, so that was like the, the, the kind of the most vitriol that I ever gotten, um, face to face. Um, however, like I said previously, um, most of my family is non-practicing now, um, but I do have an aunt who I used to be very close with when I was growing up. Um, she basically helped to raise me. Um, she's the the only one who's still like real hardcore about it um, and has su- since kind of um, gone off the deep end, so to say, with, with conspiracy theories and all this stuff. Um, after I I came out to my dad via letter because I I did not want to um, try to say it over the phone or in person and the two of us don't really talk much anyway, um, but it went really well. Um, and he had said to me that you know the relatives that he had spoken with were all a hundred percent you know about things. I think he had realized by this this point that you know I'm a full grown adult um, and I'm living my own life and I can do whatever I want. Um, and, you know, there's nothing that he can do to stop me, but, you know, I'm still his kid and he should love me. Um, but it, that surprisingly went very, very well. I'm like writing this high and then I get this letter um, with my dead name on it. Um, and with I ended up taking my husband's last name when I got married, um, just because reasons, um, though it was my dead name and my now married last name, but I had never told anyone in the family that I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to get the paperwork uh, to change my last name. Um, it was just assumed because, you know, women have to take their husband's last names. And I'm like, oh, great. What's this? Um, so I open it up and it was, I couldn't even read all of it. I actually had my husband read it um, in total. And then he read it to his mother, who is an absolute saint of a woman. Um, and was like, yeah, that's, it was just the the most disgusting, most just vitriolic sort of thing. And she was also my, she was my confirmation sponsor too. Um, so I think that like added an extra level of, of intensity to things. And, you know, she tried to bring my dead mother into it and all this stuff. And that was, that was the hugest punch to the gut. I am 
generally a little afraid of the Christian community. Um, I, anytime I will come across a coworker or someone who is very openly Christian and is wearing like iconography or whatever, wearing a cross, even I, I get a little, a little frightened and I feel like I cannot be my true self around them. Like I, I become very uptight and I stop making gay jokes, which is unfortunate because that's like most of my personality. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I. So it's almost as if you're being pigeonholed into being someone else. Yeah, I'm a much blander version of myself. Do you guys feel it's possible to be both gay and Christian? I absolutely think that it is possible to be both gay and a Christian. To be a person of faith, all that requires is faith. Um, in order for the church to be, and and the various churches, the many, many that there are, uh, to be accepting of an LGBT presence or queer presence, that has to happen legislatively. It's striking my, uh, my hometown and my experience in uh, the Methodist church, um, the Methodist Church is currently going through a massive divide, splitting into the United Methodist Church and the Global Methodist Church. Essentially, uh, the only factor of that division being the acceptance of queer folks in clergy. There are other platform differences. None of them are as uh, sincere or intrinsic to that separation as that integral one. And predominantly, uh, so the, just uh, to define what those things are, the United Methodist Church being what the Methodist Church has been historically, and the Global Methodist Church being a new arm of that church, which is attempting to uh, enact a more uh, conservative or less accepting of LGBT uh, folks sort of structure than the United Methodist Church, which it is splitting from. Uh, as of yet, neither technically support LGBT folks in clergy, but the United Methodist Church has uh, more of an incentive and more of a possibility for that to be introduced uh, in the coming years as standard. It, it's, it is a trial by fire to be a queer Christian. It is not an easy task by any means. Yes, now. In the UK, I can't speak for anywhere else because I don't have that experience. Um, when I first came out, we're talking 22, 23 years ago. Um, it wasn't just the church in the UK that had issues. Um, there was a, a lot of different institutions. It wasn't so socially acceptable, for want of a better phrase. It should have been, but it wasn't. Um, I've stepped away from the church. I've stepped away from a lot of other kind of groups and areas when I was in my early 20s. Um, coming back now, uh, it's quite funny because actually I kind of was atheist for a long period of time. Um, I've kind of developed myself a, and started walking my pagan path, um, accepted the fact that actually I follow a, a heathen um, path. Now, the people I chat to the most are actually a lot of vicars on social media. Um, and the reason because is a lot of them are, are very open and they want to know your thoughts, your views, your, your why you, you've chosen the path you have. Um, and they're a lot more accepting and a lot more welcoming. Um, our local vicar of the church, at, um, the nearest village to where I live, um, I live in a small hamlet. There's only eight houses where we are. Our nearest village is a mile down the road. A lovely, small community. Um, they are so warm and welcoming. They have no problems as it stands, but then I've never become an active member 
of the community and, and part of the congregation because it just doesn't feel right for me now where I'm at. Um, so yes, I think you can be both Christian and a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, as we'd say over here. Um, however, there have been very, very recent changes within the Church of England where they're making it harder for members of the community to be part of the Church of England. But I do think there's a lot of other uh, denominations. So the Baptist movement over here, the Methodist movement over here, the free churches are all doing a lot to embrace the uh, community. You've got people that are going out there and they're being really active with pride, mo pride movements um, because they want people to realise that actually the church is there to to welcome and to, to encourage people to be themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think you can be Christian and gay in the UK right now. Um, 22 years ago, no. I would say yes, based on how I define it personally. And I know everybody has a different definition of who's a true Christian and who's not. But um, I don't see any religion as being sort of defined by its completely defined by its texts or dogmas or any of that. I see it more as the experience and the interaction with perhaps the other people in the religion or with the God in your religion or something like that. So I don't see any real conflict there, personally. Where I live, generally across the board, and I mean, I live in a, a, a city of maybe... I think we're somewhere around 30,000 people at this point. And there's churches absolutely everywhere. I mean, I think it would be difficult to go five to 10 miles in just about any direction from where I live and not see five to 10 churches. I mean, it's it's insane. Uh, it's, it is definitely, I like to call where I live the tight notch in the Bible belt. Um, it, you know, even for uh, more liberal expressions of Christianity, um, they are not LGBTQ uh, affirming. I don't want to leave anything out because of what we're going through right now in, in Tennessee and um, with uh, the laws that are trying to get passed right now in our state against um, trans people and against uh, drag shows. There's, there's laws that are, um, trying to become, uh, prohibitory toward, uh, the drag community as well. And so I, I don't, I really don't want to leave anybody out. And so I come from even the, even the most, most liberal expressions. It's very hard to find. I know of, in my community, there is one Unitarian Universalist church. So there's, and you could assume that it's pretty much just that church that is truly going to um, affirm anybody's gender or sexuality. Um, and so I, and I come from a lot of that culture because I've been to, I used to go as a kid, you know, I, I came to, to, I had my religious experience and it was a, a very Pentecostal expression. It was, uh, I was going to a Methodist church at the time. Uh, when I had this experience, but they took us to a Pentecostal youth camp. And so speaking in tongues, visions, fasting, all of it. And, um, you know, it, there were, 
there's a it's it's very subtle aggressive factors that were always represented to anybody um, that that comes from uh, the LGBTQ communi- community. Moving from the possibility of being both gay and Christian, is there a relationship between your sexuality today and your current faith or your current doctrine of beliefs? Yes, because I think it would be wrong if you weren't able to include all aspects of yourself in your own personal beliefs. If you try to deny part of you, you're just kind of not being whole and true to yourself, if that makes sense. Um, So for me, um, when I left the church, um, it did leave a void. It left something hollow. I kind of didn't really feel a lot for a long time. Um, And as I got older and approached my 40s, I then got to a point where I was just sort of like, I could remember there was a a wholeness inside, something that was missing. And I wanted to to find that again. Um, But I knew that from my experience I'd had in the church, that wouldn't be the path for me. Um, So I looked at other options. Um, I did a a lot of research, um, a lot of sort of like dipping my toe into every kind of open avenue to me. So I stick my finger in the pie, taste it. Does that feel good? No, that doesn't. Um, And what I I found was that actually, from my personal experience, no single faith in the UK was really better than any other that was open and accessible to the general public. Um, There are some faiths that are closed, some that you have to be born into to really get the full experience. Um, And so even now, I'm heathen. Um, I'm very lucky that the, the kindred I'm part of um, is very welcoming, but there's still a lot out there that have the same issues. And I think I, I know that the, the podcast that, that we're looking at now is very much specifically with regards to Christianity, but I think sometimes we're very quick to tar a brush across Christianity and say, oh, they're really, really, really bad. Um, and we don't always necessarily go, well, actually, let's look at others. They're equally as bad in some way or another. Um, so I ended up having to find, and I, I walk a very solitary path. Um, I, I, I laugh and joke with my friends when I'm going to the local woodland, I'm going to my cathedral because that's where I feel most uh, at one with everything. And that's where I find my peace. Um, so, yeah, I think it is possible to be spiritual and to be a member of the gay community. And I think actually the two influence them um, because part of my practice um, is influenced by some of my qualities that are probably my more gayer qualities. Um, I love to dance. I love to be quite flamboyant when I can. Um, and I think actually, when I look at my siblings, we all had a very similar upbringing. And actually, I look at the difference between us and they think, what are the differences in our characteristics? And that's really the only thing that kind of defines me different from my brothers. So, yeah, I think it, it is very possible. And I think you need to incorporate the two to actually be a whole and actually experience life in the right way. Uh, I am very thoroughly pagan. Um, and I, I suppose I do relate my sexuality to that. Um, not just in an LGBTQ stance, but also in a hosting orgies for Beltane stance. Um, I was Wiccan for a while and dropped it because I didn't vibe with the two gender thing, but 
as far as like Christianity goes, I, I don't have a relationship with it at all. And I feel like that's probably because I was scared off from it. I've always been drawn to like spirituality of any sort. And I feel like if I, if there weren't homophobes in my community that were sort of Christian extremists, more or less, I probably would have ended up becoming a Catholic, like my grandmother and my, all of my aunts and uncles, but no, I, I ended up a witch instead. That's a hard question for me because I'm just now really starting to figure that out in a, in a way that's not confined to commonalities that are in the charismatic evangelical world. You know, I, five, six years ago, I didn't watch R-rated movies. You know, I, I didn't watch 90% of what was on TV because of um, kind of this very repressed um, view on sexuality. And, you know, I still kind of fall into some of the, like a normal, um, the normal confinement of what I exist in today of, of being in a monogamous marriage to a woman. But I went from being a hardliner to watching scholars poke holes in absolutely everything that I struggled with in the with in the Bible. You know, uh, every kind of social conflict a, uh, issue that exists today, all the ones that the evangelicals um, raise so much hell about, those are the ones that I watch scholars destroy uh, time and time again. And, uh, you know, legitimate scholars. And, and when you really get down to, I've probably spent more time in theology books than the majority of the, the people that I live around in the community I live in, which, I mean, church attendance is very high. We're a very small city, but we have several churches that I would consider mega churches. They're above that 1500 mark, uh, uh of, attendance and stuff like that, you know, multi-million dollar churches. And, um, it just, it all got torn apart. And so that being said, me being willing to bend my ideas about femininity, masculinity, uh, gender, all of these things, and kind of, um, being patient with myself and with my family and, uh, it's, it's, uh, opened me up to a place where I have a really great, um, sex life and, um, you know, and I just, uh, I do think there's something transcendent about, uh, you know, being able to have free express expressions in your sexuality and have something that's not confined by a heavy repression and, and, I think trust is important. And I think walking with somebody and, and learning to deal with sexuality on a, on a personal level and have an openness. And I mean, the mystic tradition and kind of just approaching everything from like, uh, I have no freaking clue anymore kind of mentality. And so I kind of just, I, I condone people doing what they believe is the the healthiest thing for them. And I can't know their experience. The thing that made me connect the most to the idea of God or whatever 
was always my wife. Um, she and and in a structure and a very patriarchal, um, misogynistic, toxic masculinity culture that I existed in, in the evangelical world, that would be, be ostracized. You know, that would be people, people don't want to think about Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit and feminine aspects of God or, or gender being taken out of the equation. You know, they don't want to, to even approach those things. They want to very, they've got very old answers that still, uh, I guess, do well enough for them. I guess for the other um, sort of part of my story, I'll say that the, the thing that sort of got me out of Christianity altogether was about five years ago, I had sort of a mystical experience, I would classify it as. And that very much changed my outlook on spirituality and also sexuality, because after that, I really did not have that sort of impure mindset anymore. So that was very liberating. And I don't, I guess, incorporate sexuality directly into my spirituality today, but that definitely helped me get over some of the um, issues I was having with sexuality. Absolutely, my sexuality plays a role in my spiritual practice. Uh, it plays a very funny role. I uh, love Hermeticism and I hate Aristotle. I love God and uh, I love sodomy. Like I, I, I like, I like paradoxes. I like running things back and forth and seeing how they mesh. As far as like how my sexuality plays a role in my spiritual practice, the. Grimoires did not account for homosexuality. In fact, like, let me back up just a second. By nature of me being a queer man and a grimoire magician, I get my eye, I get eyes rolled at me from nearly every place that you could get eyes rolled at you. The church will roll their eyes at me for doing magic and summoning demons, and my friends who do magic and summon demons roll their eyes at me for uh, working with saints and intoning the Shemham Ephrash. Like, it is <laughs> just about just about anywhere I go, there is some amount of, really, are you sure? You, sh- you sure about that, bud? And I'm okay with that because I, I love how strange it is and I love making those strange things work. I love being as queer as I possibly can and then doing shit from grimoires and praying every day and letting all those things exist in the same sort of muddled pile that is my practice and belief system. And to me, that is fundamentally good. If you saw yourself, you know, five, 10 years ago, what would you tell yourself to get through it? How would you help yourself? If not yourself, what would you tell someone else who might be going through a similar situation? What words of encouragement might you have for Others who, you know, may be a part of the LGBT community or may be an ally to the LGBT community and find themselves stuck, not necessarily with Christianity, but with some sort of religious pushback. How, what advice might you have for someone like that? What words of encouragement might you have to get them through the hard times? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, you know, there there are many paths through the forest and the forest forest being forests they can get really dark and they're going to be really scary and there's um there's going to be a lot of scary things and you're going to doubt yourself 
Um, but th there's still a path through the forest. Um, I know for me, it was, um, it was painful, like physically painful to leave the church. And I thought, there's no way I can get through this. Um, it's always going to hurt like this. I'm always going to have these doubts. Um, but, you know, seeing myself now, you know, like the, the eight years down the line, um, I, I, you know, when it's Saturday evening or Sunday, I don't even think about the fact that, you know, I should be going to church. Um, you know, I revel in eating meat on Fridays and Lent, and I don't feel guilty about it. Um, the, you know, there is, there is a meadow, you know, at, at the end of this path through the forest, you know, 100%, but it's, it's going to be really scary. Um, it's going to be absolutely terrifying. Um, and there's going to be a lot of, of scary things. There's going to be pitfalls and there's going to be wolves and, you know, there's going to be jagger bushes and poisonous snakes, but you are resilient. Human beings are incredibly resilient and you are resilient. And as long as you have who you, I don't want to say who you want to be because that, that can very much be, um, you can be kind of biased against yourself. Um, but I think if you keep, you know, um, what feels, what feels right with, with your spirit or with your, your, you know, your core, whatever feels right at the very core of your being, use that as, as your, as your beacon, as your guiding light. And I think having that to hold on to, you know, you'll be able to, 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 you know, whether that is, you know, the path ends up turning back around and you end up going back to your faith, but in, in a different light or, you know, approaching your faith in a different way or completely leaving your faith for another or just being like, yeah, you know, the whole religion thing really isn't my jam anymore. That's fine. As long as you, you don't try to, you know, sell yourself short, um, or try to, you know, push yourself into places, you know, into boxes that you don't feel comfortable with, as long as you're being true to yourself. Um, you'll, you'll find that meadow at the end of the forest. I, I promise you, you know, they always say, oh, it gets better. It gets better. Like it does. Um, but it's going to be terrible and it's going to hurt like shit the entire way through. For other people, especially the younger generations, especially now today, with, not to get political, but there's a lot more anti-LGBT and anti-trans like rhetorics going around out there and just a lot of violence against anybody who's different, or trans or LGBT, and um, just them instead of being scared or wanting to crawl back and hide in the closet and of course obviously like do that and for safety like safety always first but also at the end of the day um don't let the the fear of mongering and the violence just keep you from being your true authentic self I think the, the biggest thing I would say is be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself about what you want, who you are, and what you're looking for in life. 
because it may be that actually you're not sure in yourself what you need so you can't get what you need from others because until you know what you need you can't ask for the help um so i would say that would be one thing i would be very very i like say that you need to look into also don't be afraid to reach out i think the the biggest issue i had for myself growing up was i felt very isolated um and i felt like there was nobody else in my situation there's a lot of human beings out there we're all as individual and unique as each other but there's going to be someone who can appreciate where you're at and is there to help so don't be afraid to reach out you might not necessarily know the right place to go if you're looking for something spiritual a church or somewhere where you trust could be a good place to start but also don't be afraid to try things so like if you feel you've got a need for something give it a go what you sign up for today isn't what you have to do for the next like 30 40 50 years of your life you can say actually this is right for me now i'm gonna not be the same person in 10 years time because life will change me and i will change with life so nothing is fixed in stone don't be afraid to change don't be afraid to question also i would say from personal experience choose your battles wisely um i think especially as a younger person a lot of us have a lot of angst and we're going to be very forthright and we're going to battle everything we can and we burn ourselves out it's not that the battles aren't right to choose it's just that there's so many if i can give to anybody of course uh, my own demographic of people who may be struggling with Christianity, whether you are, um, you don't fit the evangelical mold or not, whether regardless of gender or identity, but for the people that have a hard time fitting that mold, please, please, please don't be afraid to um, hear the voice of the quote unquote opposition or enemy and um, the people that are labeled heretics. Because when you really dig into the church history, you find out that a lot of those people were claimed heretics hundreds of years after they were alive. There were no ways for them to give defenses, you know. Um, and the same stuff goes on today with people in the church. Uh, you know, there's some really great folks that helped me out well, uh, along the way of, uh, Rob Bell and, and s some other evangelists, I wouldn't consider them evangelical figures. I'd consider them just Christians. There's some great Christians out there and you can find them and they, they do really love people, but at the same time, don't ever feel like you have to stay confined in this particular expression of faith. You can go find your own, you can go make your own. Well, I might sound a little cliche, but it's just sort of the idea of being true to yourself. And I ultimately think that that's what um, spirituality is really guiding us towards, not follow these fixed set of rules. It's learning about yourself and about how you can relate to God or um, however you would view that force or whatever. I call it God, but... Um, I would just say that from my point of view, God loves you and the way you choose to identify yourself is never going to change that aspect of God. My advice would be don't let the gay community pressure you into coming out if you don't feel like you're in a safe space to do so. Um, I know that was quite a problem for some of my friends growing up. It didn't go very well. 
Uh, so stay safe. No matter who we are and where we are, community matters and surrounding ourselves with people who care about us and are willing to fight for us matters. Um, and there are, there are segments of Christianity today that, that are open and affirming, that are loving and, and, and are good, safe places. Um, and if, if they exist in your area and you can find them, um, there are good people there who will take care of you. Uh, unfortunately, for some parts of the country, uh, that's just not the case. And for, for people like, like me, Oklahoma and Texas area, um, the church is going to tell you that the only way is to stay inside the four walls of the church and to be shaped and reshaped into the image they have for you. And there's so much life outside the four walls of that church um, that there, there are people who will love you that aren't a member of that church community. There is a community of people uh, who have left the church, not because they stopped believing, but because they started believing, because they started taking their faith seriously, because they started loving people seriously. There are people out in the wild, in the wilderness, who are, are, are waiting for you. And you are loved, and nothing that anyone in the church says about that can change that. You are loved. I would like to extend a special thank you to our panel members, Graves, Val, Menu, Tom, Elias, Paul, Vince, and Rowan. These are listeners and members of the Occult Confessions community who volunteer to share their insights and experiences and their thoughts. If you would like to hear each of the three panels in their original form, you can find those on the Occult Confessions Patreon. My name is Luke Kinneman, your Producia Discordia. Thank you, and goodbye.